This, this will, will never air. So, Andrew, this is Matt, and Matt, this is Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Matt. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. I googled. I googled you. Oh, that's uh, there are not a small number of of Matt Lemieres lying around, <laughs> so that might have led to interesting results. That's what I discovered. I, uh, all I was able to find really was your Twitter. Yeah. Woo. So you say yes, SEO. You say Lemire. Uh, I say Lemire, which is how my parents Lemire. pronounce it. So lacking of any of its divine Frenchness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I would have. I, I I have always said it as Lemieux. I hmm. will not correct anyone on the pronunciation of my last name. I Good for long, you. I have long ago given that one up to the universe. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I can't, but I also can't spell Crusoe for some reason. <clears throat> really? I try to. I always try to uh, spell it Caruso, C A R. And I think I say it that way too. Mm-hmm. It's probably a Midwestern mm-hmm. thing or something. Mm-hmm. There's a really funny. Um, whenever I hear. Caruso's name, who's of course the the actor, I always think of um, Jim Carrey's wonderful um, impression of him. Yeah, there's a great impression that Jim Carrey does where he's impersonating him um, on CSI. I don't know if you've ever seen like clips of the show or whatever, um, but it, it, you know the guy he always walks up to the crime scene and he's got his his uh, shades on, and no, 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 he's holding his shades and he he, he appraises the scene and he looks at the he looks at the body and he's like, well, I guess this guy came to a quick end or has some ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, funny thing to say and puts his shades on and then they hit the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jim Carrey's impression of it is very, very good. I'm afraid I only know it as a, a meme from Reddit. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's a Reddit meme now. Maybe I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if his impression inspired the meme or just the show inspired the meme. It's very memeable. It's a memeable thing. Reddit enjoys their puns, so I should Reddit more. I should try to get into it and figure out figure out the culture of Reddit. I still haven't uh, dove in. Yeah, uh, I spent maybe nine, ten months on Reddit regularly, and finally just got sick of it. Mostly sick of the people on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just finally gave up, realizing that it was I was not getting nearly as much interesting stuff out of it as the frustration of having to dig through the the less savory content to uh, to find what I really <laughs> wanted to read. Right? Yeah, that's the that's the tricky bit. I'm trying to find your Twitter handle again. Your Skype profile is. It says you're offline. You you're you must be part of CIA. Uh, maybe so. I don't know. Get some secret stuff going uh, on. You can find me at T Y G E R M A T T, which is my Twitter. T Y G A R G E R Tiger, but with okay. There you go. Yeah, I searched for you on my mobile dingus, and it didn't have the same. Why doesn't the history sync between desktop and... I, I can't get that to go. Okay, I found you. Hooray! Da, da, da. Is this a show? How you mm-hmm. doing, Mike? It's mm-hmm. been a while. I'm good. Tizer, man. 
It's pronounced Tarjay. I googled memeable to see if it's an actual word, and it's technically not, but it is an Urban Dictionary. And that's all that matters for meme, right? Right. And the second thing is the ten most memeable celebrities. You're gonna have to start at ten. Misha Barton, sad Misha. I don't know. From Special Victims Unit? Sounds the lady? Uh, no. Uh, OC. The OC. The OC. Uh, okay. I'm following now. Never never watched that it's one. It's some millennial show that I've never seen. <laughs> yeah, from 15 years ago. <laughs> millennial show. Now, I... I don't know. I, when I was growing up, it was all about Generation X, Y, and Z... There was kind of they called it Z for a while. Is, is that what the millennials are, or are the millennials supposed to be Gen Y? Why? It's supposed to be Y. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Because they keep rebranding all these generations. It's like, well, we I don't remember Generation W. Who comes up with these things? Gets a little weird. Yeah. Go figure. I don't know. I uh, this day. Uh, it feels really strange to talk about generations of people as like a estrata. Anyway, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. seems like a category of people that is way too large to be making generalized assumptions about. Or at the very least, the assumptions you can make about them should be fairly limited. Right. And almost entirely based in, you know, the political and social reality of the time. Mm-hmm. Let's see. How are we doing? Show we we still using that Google Doc, or what have we moved over to at Show Notes? If uh, I wanted to look at Show Notes, there is a spreadsheet I think, of current topics. Okay, here we go. I see a. Would it have been up at? I like looking at the spreadsheet. Let me do this. Let's see. I just see exclamation twna. These must all be. These must be title suggestion spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. I'll find it. I'll find it. So it's just us three this time. Mm-hmm. Should be a little Anybody easier else? to edit this time. Small crap. Oh my, oh my god. I'm pretty much limiting it to two, uh, well, three, including myself, from now on. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that. I, I, I mean, I, I don't produce the shows. I, I don't know how everything, how the sausage gets made, but um, I think. It, I think it wouldn't be too bad to to do um, U plus three. It just mm-hmm. depends. It depends on the personalities, I suppose. Yeah, sometimes Maybe. I might add a, add a third. But. but I would say that is definitely the max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what did we have on the show? That the last show that I was on, we had six. Six. <laughs> there was a lot of going on. <laughs> can I just can we talk very briefly about how you? And how you should get some kind of podcast award for the way that you edited that. <laughs> I, because, uh, Tiger, should I call you Tiger? Should I, what should I call you? Uh, Matt is fine. Matt. Tiger is fine. I will respond to either. Mr. Tiger wasn't here when it was absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. No. And, uh, I think, I think you're, you should be glad that you, uh, that you were not here, Matt. It was pretty, it's pretty wild. <laughs> but I, I did get to hear the results. And I must say that, Based on what I've heard about it, relative to what I heard about it, you know, Mike is a genius. 
You know mm. what I liked what you did, Mike, if I could just say, and we, we should probably move on to topics soon, but I was really glad. I liked how you kind of broke it up into chapters with the bell sound. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a really, really good idea. <laughs> because you're, <laughs> you're actually able to take the best stuff and then kind of have it flow together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Whose who's bell did you use? Um... I don't remember whose bell it was. It was somebody. It was somebody on the on the podcast, but um, I just took their sound and copied it three times. And, um, I don't remember who who it was. It was good. Did you have one at the time? Yeah, I had one last time. We'll, we'll have to. You have to compare tones and see, because I just noticed that mine. I think mine is like a half step off of yours. Yeah, I've been noticing that. I I kind of I really like the tone of Roderick's Bell, and not just because I'm a huge fan of the show. I I just like that note. And this one was a gift. Uh and it just showed up. It showed You ever get a you ever get a, a thing that says um it's in a, it's in like a kind of a gray plastic bag. Well, it well it's obviously in like a padded bubble envelope. And you open it up and then it's a gray and this says Shenzhen China. <laughs> that's how this got here they don't even think it they don't even think customs looked at it They're like okay it's china but um i don't know it's it's pretty good it sounds a but, little uh, br- brighter than mine it's well, a little bright i i, I can't tell until i actually heard them side by side i didn't know there was a difference but i'm a little disappointed in my bell now you bell. really you like mine more i feel like mine's a little bit flat compared to some people's hmm. but it yeah it's well, a, the bell is, the bell always sounds better on the other side of the call. Maybe I can get mine tuned. Put a little piece of tape around the outer edge. I mean, what? I don't know. The only way you could really do that would be to change the shape of the bell. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had some kind of, um, this could be the bell show. I think the bells are very under um, discussed. You know, everybody has a bell, um, but wow. they don't really talk about the mechanics of the bell. Objection, objection, your honor. Um, not all of us have bells. I'm just now noticing that my bell kind of screws on, and I'm wondering if, like, the tighter I have it, the if it, if I can actually tune this in some way. You mean, you mean on the top where the button is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although maybe that, I just broke it. We'll see. Mine is that too, oh, yeah. and I took mine apart because I take everything apart. I'm sorry you don't have a bell mat. I was, I was. That's okay. I was. I make sweeping generalizations. I yeah. When I have a microphone in front of me, it's. I do make sweeping generalizations more often. <laughs> I don't know why. It's okay. That's that's what makes for good podcasts right there. It's yeah, you kind of have to be a little bit, right? A little bit over the top. Yep. You have to yeah. tell a story about how you bought a RV or something. Yeah. If people aren't raging at you on Twitter, I'm not sure you exist. You know, I've gotten... You know what? I don't want to talk about people raging on Twitter because I don't want to jinx myself. So number nine is Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, yeah. Number nine is Taylor Swift. What, 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 Memeable oh, celebrities? Yeah, memeable celebrities. We kind of went off on a tangent. It's the memeable, show. Memeable, memeable. Celebrities. Memeable celebrities. Memeable celebrities. Whom you could meme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Beyonce, Amanda Bynes, Britney Spears, Keanu Reeves... Mm. Mm. Nicholas Cage, mm. Lindsay Lohan, Ryan mm. Gosling, mm. and Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. And Leo's number one. Leo's number one. Is it the the man bun hair 
like the hair pulled back picture that gets him all the the memes like what i, I don't entirely understand that <laughs> i one. know of two there's mm-hmm. the one where he's like strolling um and they put him in all kinds of pictures with people running and things like that he's like i think he's in a prison hmm. uniform or something i haven't seen this i think i'm, I'm hanging around the wrong um internet mm-hmm. neighborhoods I've, i have a de- deficiency of meme and uh the other one is the inception mm. uh where he's squinting his eyes Oh, this is a wonderful photo. <laughs> I like how they're all looking at him. <laughs> How'd you get up here? You're not. You don't look. You don't look like you're trying at all. Leonardo. That's a nice. That's a nice image. VH1.com hmm. is running WordPress. <laughs> Turns out things you learn. It's yeah. Okay. I was reading an article on, um, I want to say Ars Technica, and they said 24% of the websites, basically a quarter of the websites on the web are powered by WordPress, which is kind of amazing. It really is. Now, I've heard, I've heard tell of big publishers using their pro platform. Are they including, they're including that into that mix, I take it? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it was not a, uh, See, now that's the kind of sentence you need, like a superscript one, and then you have a reference. I, You know, I really like the little references. Citation needed. Sorry? Citation needed. Yeah. Well, when you make statements like that, that are, you know, and you are a big publication, you know, it's good to have some citations. Well, no, that's, we don't do that anymore. We don't need you don't do that anymore? No. Wikipedia sure as heck does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but actual news sources don't do that anymore. Yeah. That would have forced them to do research and actually act like news sources. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, leak outside their site. <laughs> Called a walled garden. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. credit to BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of myself. I haven't been on BuzzFeed in weeks. Okay. Let us pause for just one moment and let sure. us realize that there are two things that BuzzFeed does extremely well that no one recognizes them for. Um, they have a journalism arm. There is a thing called BuzzFeed News and they do incredible long form work and they also do an incredible job in kind of little niche categories. So like their world news team is really, really good. And their LGBT news team is really, really good. And their legal coverage is good. So there are a few people, I am, you know, I follow some of them on Twitter, so asterisk. But, you know, there are good parts to BuzzFeed that aren't just the, uh, the uh, you know, link baity list of 14 or 15 things that your mm. mother does with Celebrity X. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm. I'm so glad I don't have to worry about my mom doing anything with Celebrity X. It's another thing I don't have to think about. Uh, BuzzFeed's got that covered for you. Which Mm. Percy Jackson demigod are you? Hmm. No, point taken. Point taken. Um, I I try not to. I try not to pass judgments on things. I really don't look at that often. Um, And I really don't look at them that often. So not very controversial. Not not controversial today. Their uh, mobile news app on iOS is good. I Hmm. actually prefer reading. I, I prefer catching up on news there rather than uh, the New York Times Now app of similar ilk. Now! 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 I thought Google owned the word now, now. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they own all the alphabet. Tra- yeah. <laughs> they, own, they own the, uh, they trademarked the colors red. 
and green and blue. Mm-hmm. Yellow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has anybody used Apple News? I set it no. up. I never read it again. I can't. I can't get it to give me what I want. Mm. Like I keep subscribing to things and saying these are the topics I like, mm-hmm. but I still get uh, articles that I'm not interested in. Like Germany's mm. capacity to take in refugees is limited. It's, it's, I guess is it's it really, interesting, though? but it's not really what I, I mean. That's important, but not really what news mm. I want to hear. I guess I had a different mm. problem with it, which was that it just wasn't refreshing ever. Like mm. I would sit there and I would pull down and the little spinner would spin and the news would stay four days old. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. Were you on Wi-Fi or were you doing it on 3G? Uh, covered both scenarios and across, you know, several betas. And then finally the, the iOS public release, just oh. once the public release came out, I dropped it completely and said, nope, not dealing with it anymore. Hmm. I don't even touch betas. Are you in the the dev? Uh, I'm on the public beta program. Public beta, okay. It says your uh, your Twitter bio, which, as we all know, is the best representation of a person, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. It says that you are in IT client services. That is correct. So right. you're kind of the interface between uh, people and the. Is that, is that fair to say? Yep, I do. Uh, I do people the people the tech- work. Basically, if if things break, people yell at me, and then mm-hmm. I try to fix it. <laughs> Got to develop a little bit of a thick skin in that situation. Yeah, it comes Why is my thing. email gone? My baby pictures are destroyed. So yeah, backed up. it's a Can fair bit of uh, that kind of stuff. And then dealing with the realities of, in, in my particular field, I, I, I work for a university, and so we have our own pile of problems to stack on top of regular good old client services problems mm-hmm. and, and people asking for things that I can't possibly provide and then not taking advantage of the things that they should. It's like, hey, your research data might be important. Do you want to keep it somewhere other than that one thumb drive? <laughs> Even stuff like Dropbox and, um, and Google Drive... Like, I think that makes backup a lot easier for people, thankfully. But maybe not everybody. Maybe not everybody's figured it out. But, you know. Well, I mean, it, it works reasonably well. The only problem is, is when you're doing research with people, you can't always use Dropbox, which is the problem that we have to kind of convey to our to our guys pretty regularly. It's like, what, hey, why is that? Because of the personally identifiable information that goes into the research. They have to uh-huh. store it with, and they have to store it with a a, a degree of security that mm-hmm. the university has determined the cloud cannot provide. Oh wow! So so Dropbox, they don't really trust trust Dropbox to, to keep that private, basically. Nope. No. Well, what if you did? What if you um? What if you did something like an encrypted disk image, and I'm, did that and upload the disk the disk image to Dropbox? I'm sure that people could pull something like that off if they had properly documented it and gotten approval from the appropriate people. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that most of the researchers, at least the ones that I yeah, do yeah, with on a regular basis, that. not that tech savvy. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Why is vocal fry in the notes again? Have we, do we, is that because we've not hmm. talked about that enough? Vocal fry. 
for those of you wondering, that was Vocal Fry. (laughs) It's another one of those things where people have decided that it is unbecoming and start attaching it to people, (laughs) large Mm -hmm. tranches of people. And I go, hmm. Well, how do you guys feel about it? I feel feel like for myself, most of the time, if, if it's excessive, it's annoying. A little bit of it I don't notice. Uh, but most, I think it's mostly unnecessary. It seems like something that you would try to do unless you'd been smoking for 60 years. If you've been smoking for decades, that might be unavoidable. I don't know. I don't well, I, you know, I, I, mostly I just try to figure out what are we, you know, what is it being used for and is that useful? And mm-hmm. for the people who do use it, seemingly it is because they keep using it and people respond appropriately. Otherwise mm-hmm. they'd stop. So, I mean, hmm. it, it obviously has some communicative value in in conveying something. I have no idea what it might be, to be honest with you. It's not something I tend to use a whole ton, but and hmm. not even something I listen for personally. Hmm. But I, I I really try to avoid picking at people's communicative senses, and it's something that we've kind hmm. of we had recently come across the podcast world. Uh, on a recent episode of uh, Reconcilable Differences, where uh, Merlin takes on his old man hat with some. Yeah. Are you talking about uh, Rectifs 13? That sounds about right. This would be- I, I have that in my, my, my queue. I have not listened to that yet. I'm looking forward to it. It's two and a half hours. It is. They're all two and a half hours, which makes for crazy times. I enjoy it's listening so to it, but they're so long. I um, love the show. Uh, Syracuse and Merlin talk about emoji and the use mm. of NetSpeak mm. in this most recent episode. And it there's a there's a rather long section where Merlin does his Merlin thing, and uh, <laughs> it has uh, it has amused the jackals over the last few days, uh, mm. chatting back and forth about it. So I have only one thing to say about it. Hmm. Lol. Yeah. Lol, L A W L. Yeah, I don't know. Who's saying it? Who actually says that word unironically? Are there are there people who actually speak that word out loud in an unironic um, fashion? I, I have I have an answer for that. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the real truth. My mom once because she didn't know, but <laughs> but she knows now. Now she knows. But I'm, I guess I'm trying to offer the possibility of people who aren't um, geeky trying to trying to like understand, you know. But I think LOL is not used very much even in texting anymore because we have a thousand emojis, which I can't see. Hmm? They're too small. I got four eyes. And I could, oh, no. you know, blow up my, you could, I could blow up the text on my screen large enough to actually be able to uh, tell them all apart. But most of the time I just go, oh, it's an emoji. <laughs> ah. Is, is, do you, um, is this something you're comfortable talking about? Do you have like a, did you have like an astigmat? I, I have a slight astigmatism and it sucks. Um, and I just, but- I wear glasses. I've got bad eyesight. Um, okay of normal varieties of bad eyesight. It's not, are you, can I ask, are you nearsighted or farsighted? Because if you're, if your up close vision is fine, you could theoretically like just, just kind of like pop up your glasses. Cause I speaking for myself, if I remove my glasses, I can see individual pixels. I have like super macro. Yeah, no, uh, I, I am technically, I am technically farsighted, 
but I have additional problems layered in on top of that that just make life without my glasses not livable. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not a problem. I can see why emojis would be challenging for you then. Yeah, it's just – and like I don't have any problem reading text at the same, you know, pitch size. Mm -hmm. But – for whatever reason, the little, the little, um, you know, uh, identifying markers inside of the emoji just they all blur together for me, for, by and large. They are pretty small, aren't they? <laughs> Especially the round faces. If it's a round mm. face, I just assume it's someone smiling and kind of roll with it from there. I think it's a pretty safe assumption. The times where they're extremely mad at you, it'll probably work itself out. Well, I just yeah. You know, I just kindly explain. It's like, hey, remember, I'm from the old internet. We use, you know, we use text to indicate our our happy faces and sad faces. Meet me at my IRC channel, EFnet. Well, you know, and that was the nice thing. Becoming a jackal was part of you know reuniting with my IRC past. Mm, mean like specifically going into the five by five channel. And yes. Like, oh, I, I got to get this. I got to get the IRC app again. Or did you already have a IRC client on your machine, nope. just waiting? No, I started in the I started on the web client, and that lasted maybe three live listenings before I was like, okay, I have to get a client because it's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with something else uh, other than what I, I started with Colloquy, uh, mm-hmm. and it later moved to to Textual, which is what I use now when mm-hmm. I very very rarely hop on IRC these days. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I just stick to Colloquy because it's I've had it for so long and it's I use it so infrequently. Um, should I look into Textual? Is it is it blow it away? Should should people using Colloquy just drop drop it right now? Um, Colloquy has a has a developing problem, which is to say that it's not particularly actively developed at the moment. I um, I know their mobile client is still being worked on pretty regularly. Uh, but for whatever reason, I hadn't seen updates for the main client, the OS 10 client, I should say, uh, for a while. And that was one of the reasons why I moved over. And then I just had enough people kind of tell me, oh, you need, you should try textual on OS 10. It's better. It's like, hmm. okay. And I honestly, it's just a matter of opinion. They both go to the same place and they do the same kinds of things. And hmm. it, it, there's not a feature, a killer feature on the textual side to drive you to spend the $5 I think it is to grab it from the app store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's something to look into. <sighs> Here, I found something for you, Matt, um, hmm. which you probably already know about. Uh, you can turn on speech selection and your phone will uh, speak the emojis to you. <gasps> really? No way. Wow. So, uh, I will have to, I will have to investigate this further. Oh my God, this is so weird, Mike. I literally turned on speak selection in accessibility yesterday for the first time. Weird coincidence. Because I wanted I wanted Siri to read me a Wikipedia article while I was doing something else. And I like Siri's voice more than the built-in OS X voice, even though it's kind of close. So I went and I turned it on, and it's pretty good. I wish I could have Siri just read me a whole web page because, I don't know, it's, it, I just like it. Uh, so that's... I think you can. No, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I had to select. You have to select a block. Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Uh, there's uh, a, under the John Syracuse can tell me, but I have to select a whole block, and then I have to hit the speak button, and then it goes. If, 
you can turn it so that you can do a two-finger swipe down and it will speak everything on the page. <sighs> but wait, is, is it, that just the screen or the page? I don't know. Is it smart? Does it know to look for the main text of whatever you're reading as opposed to everything else? I don't know. I, don't know. Good. I have a, a friend who is blind who is incredible. It's incredible to watch him use iOS because the accessible, I don't know if you guys have ever seen somebody using iOS with accessibility or screen reader turn on, but it's, it's, it's like a completely different device. It's amazing. They're like double tapping and triple tapping and swiping and it's talking and it's talking at 600 words a minute. And it's, Oh my God. I can't make it work. It's amazing. uh, Yeah. I don't, unfortunately don't have a lot of interface to, to that community, but, um, I know, kind of just via osmosis that it seems to be far and away the most accessible of the mobile OS platforms. Mm, I think I found what you were talking about, Mike. Um, it's under general settings, under accessibility, under speech. Mm-hmm. Second item is speech. Uh, there's a, I have speak selection turned on, but the second switch is speak screen. Swipe down with two fingers from the top of the screen to hear the content of the screen. Hmm... Hmm, I'll have to play with that. I don't know if it would go through an entire web page. That would be nice, though. I feel like I always end up using the uh, the feature that the one the, the one guy in Apple is working on. You know, like I don't know, you guys have probably heard of this. Like apparently, there's one guy who does terminal app. <laughs> have you heard of this? It would not surprise me. Um, <laughs> it's literally true. <laughs> I uh, one of my previous jobs was working in. Um, Apple warranty support for an authorized service provider. And I had the opportunity to meet the team of people who built and maintained the primary tool that we used to submit warranty repairs to and from Apple. And, you know, I would spend four or five hours a day inside of this application. And I met the team who develops it. There are three people on this team. Three. There are 150,000 plus users in the entire world using this one little particular product and it's a three-person wow. team inside apple it's like oh and this isn't even their full-time job this is like oh i yeah i picked this up for you know this month and next month but i've got to be going off to another project so we're hoping to have this done by then i was like oh okay it's so interesting do you think that they do that to help keep them fresh because sometimes i think i find myself daydreaming like i wonder what I wonder what it's like, like in Apple, because I do get the feeling that people move around a lot and maybe for the best, like that you don't want them to get complacent or, or, or bored, you know? And I w- I'm just wondering, like, I wonder what kinds of policies, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's interesting when you have to manage a team and it's really interesting when you, when these teams are building things that have to work together. You know, that's why software is so interesting because it's one of the most complicated things that people make. If you look at it in terms of like, you know, permutations of problems and you know, the way software interacts with other software, it just gets really crazy. So I wonder if that's like, you know, something that's accept- expected at Apple. Like, okay, you're going to be on, you're going to be on iMovie for six months and then you're going to be on, um, you know, photos. And obviously if you have overlapping, you want to have like, you know, your skills would want to be compatible with the other projects, but. Um, like, do you know what other project they were going to go to or was that a big hush hush? Yeah. That's unfortunately in the realm of things that Apple employees will not talk to me about. Mm -hmm. 
I just I'm, think it's really interesting. I've heard tell from varying sources that it's it might have been one of those projects where, okay, this is low risk. We can figure out what you can and cannot do and figure out how well you'll work on a team to figure out then how to place you into a more permanent project or a product mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good, me if it were something that's a really like good point. It's proving ground. Yeah. Here, here's something that's not super duper important. Um, see if you can do some good work. Now, have you heard, this is true. Um, I was, what was I reading about this like a year ago or something on, Oh, where's I reading? On. might have been apple insider that they knew new um, employees especially will get put on projects that are completely fake yeah <laughs> which is crazy <laughs> when you have a company that's making i don't know what are they making like all the money every year now it's like income all of it a trillion dollars a year whatever it is they can afford to employ 10 people to make you know what yeah, make an itunes competitor for a year and we'll see how you do you know, and then they finish and then they, nobody does anything with it. I, I always wonder, like, what kind of projects are they putting them on? Are they putting them on self-driving cars just to mess with them and they never make the car? Or, you know, well, what kind of product do you put? I don't know. It's, it's super interesting because I would be so frustrated if I had worked on something for a year and nobody would ever use it. I don't know. I, I, I suppose if I were actually working for Apple, I would kind of get to the point where they pulled me off of that team and then put me onto a team that was worthwhile. And that would make the previous six months worth it. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, depending on how they spun it, but you're, you're right that, I mean, especially to put like six or eight months into a, Mm -hmm. a project and then it not go anywhere. That's never, that's never fun. Or, and, and, uh, well, this is all theoretical, but like, or maybe they put you on a project that does have an effect and then they go, okay, well, we're doing this new project. And what you don't know is it's a test. And you're on this project and, you know, and maybe it's like international. They put you in another, you know, well, actually most people on Cupertino. But, uh, you know, and then after that, they're like, okay, you did great. That's never shipping. That was a test. And you passed. And it's all, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, how they spin it afterward. Like, hey, you know what? You kicked butt. Nothing leaked. We tried to make you leak stuff. We, we, uh, we tried to trick you. <laughs> There were people planted all along. We know all of your neighbors. Yeah. Mike, we know him. We pay him. It's like Mr. Slugworth, you know, like he's trying to get the formula, but he's, he's employed by Willy Wonka the whole time. And I wouldn't be surprised if Apple did stuff like that. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest given some of their kind of corporate culture. I think it's really funny. When was the last time we had a big leak? Mike, when was the, how long has it been since we've had like an actual leak? I think it's been a long, it's been a, a while. From Apple? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It seemed like mm, it seemed like everybody pretty much knew about the 6S. Maybe maybe it was just lucky guesses, but well, I mean, like, okay, so features are one thing. Like, it's hard to keep people in China from talking, right? Because there's there's a lot of people involved in these factories. But I, I mean, like, I mean, like stuff that's like in Apple that hasn't, you know, like new products. I feel like it's been a while. Like the last really weird thing that's happened that I can recall is when that prototype of the 4S was stolen. Remember that? Yeah, that's the last kind of full-blown product yeah. uh, leak I've seen. There were part. There's been part leaks. 
uh, in the six and success cycle. I kind of remember reading through those oh, wait. and, but like yeah. full blown product leaks like that. I haven't heard. I mean, other than the kind of smoke, smoke where there ended up being fire kind of things. So like mm-hmm. hearing about Apple working on an Apple watch, which we heard mm-hmm. about for, you know, years for, yeah, for, uh, prior to them actually releasing the thing, but it like full fledged. Oh, Apple's working on iPad mm-hmm. pro. Like I never mm-hmm. heard the iPad pro as anything other than, Oh, he, we would really, really like it if Apple did this. That's a great, great example, Matt. Nobody knew that the, the, or very, very few people knew that the pro was actually a real thing until that day. And I think that's incredible. And you look at how many people were involved. So I don't know. I, they're, they're, I guess their their system's working pretty well. Yeah, I recall Tim Cook right when he was coming on was basically well that was going to be one of his big projects was going to be doubling down on security, mm-hmm. um, which in kind of the way that things are going now makes things pretty interesting because all of your manufacturing is done you know, overseas and it's mm-hmm. not done all by the same people. You mm-hmm. know, your, your parts are being made by 20 or 30 different manufacturers and then mm-hmm. they're being shipped around in China to varying factories to be assembled and finished before they're, you know, finally shipped out to market. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me how much they keep quiet uh, in that regard. And they like, want to keep those contracts. <laughs> I mean, exactly, right? I mean, that's kind of where it all where the rubber meets the road but even then your uh, people who work for these particular companies don't necessarily have the motivation that the companies themselves do so it's quite amazing to me that they they keep as much under wraps as they do cuz you never hear about oh you know iPhone 6s uh production ramped up 4 weeks ago we're expecting an announcement soon like that's huh. not the rumor ends up working. It's, yeah. you know, oh, I heard this rumor, you know, Jim will hop on Loop Insight and it's like, hey, you know, you might want to keep your September 12th open. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that has anything to do with, um, I, I wonder, I mean, I haven't been to China yet and I haven't been to, um, you know, uh, South Korea where some of these some of these components are manufactured, but uh, do you think it has anything to do with um, the Chinese, Korean, Japanese um, culture of, um, hmm, that's a good way to say it. Well, just like their culture in general, that they're, they're more inclined to think of the, what's best for the group over the individual. It seems reasonable to me, but I honestly don't know enough about, uh, about, Eastern Asian culture to, to mm-hmm. make an educated guess, even that such a, you know, construct might exist as a single entity anyway, mm-hmm. uh, because whilst, you know, we might have that category, that's not a category they would share. Hmm. 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 We're, we're, uh, we're thinking about, I, I, I certainly have, um, have had friends in Japan and, uh, have had, friends in other other places and I am often quite surprised at how I mean you don't realize how American you are until you encounter people of from other from other places. You really don't. <laughs> You're like, whoa, I'm making assumptions I didn't even know I was making. It's it's amazing, actually. 
I have a friend who is a Scotsman who recently moved from Scotland to Tokyo, Japan, and oh, has nice. found uh, dating to be one of those particular <laughs> landmines of cultural difference <laughs> that you're having to tread incredibly lightly on how you approach even the, the what we kind of consider the most basic parts of reaching out to somebody and then asking them out yeah. on a date. There are lots of <laughs> there are lots of broader cultural things that have to occur in appropriate settings and, you know, that there's a very formalized lead up to courtship and all that. You know, it's not as simple as just saying, Oh, I like you, let's go out. You know, there's more Especially to it in that. Japan. And listening to him talk about that is is really interesting to me personally. Wow! Um, and because he be on the show, <laughs> you talk about it, uh, he might find it interesting. I can run that thought by him. I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I, I don't know him well enough to to say one way or the other. But um, yeah, it just just being able to to have that kind of storyteller, you know, to have to be able to to have that interaction with him just. I love learning things like that. And mm. in, you get that appreciation for how different things are and you know, where you're not through that mm-hmm. kind of interaction. So well said. Yeah. 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 So you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, like he's coming from a place <laughs> that has a very different assumptions on the way people interact, you could say, and especially like how courtship works, you know, like when you're, when you're dating someone in Japan, I mean, I, I was, I used to be a, a little bit of a Japanophile and learned to read some of it. And, um, it's very much, um, the, you know, the family dynamic between your family and their family is, is often as important, if not more important <laughs> than if you two actually have chemistry. I don't want to make a sweeping generalization about that. It really depends on the family, but it, that the, they look at it more in big picture, Whereas in America, we tend to look at it in the terms of, okay, the two people really like each other, right? Yeah, and the, there's the added layer of complication of him being not Japanese, mm-hmm. uh, which creates another layer of, of friction inside the dynamic on its own. Wow. So, so um, is, in as much as you can say, is he, like, is he dating someone right now and he's going through that or is he just kind of going on dates and it's been difficult i would say the latter more than the former but i don't know how much i don't know how much i can speak to that and honestly i don't know how much i even know uh sure i am at the liberties of what he decides to tell me so (laughs) sure sure no but that's yeah that's definitely something interesting to think about how 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 our assumptions are different it's a big world Mm -hmm. even from state to state in some cases yeah, we hear about that in our food discussion a fair bit, I would say. <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about food yet. Nope, oh, not yet. Oh my I know. Gosh. It can't be a, a This Will Not Air without a little bit of food talk. Well, um, if you look in the robot, I actually have something queued up for us to talk about. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. This, oh, this image? Hold, hold on here, right? Mm-hmm. I have got, I've got to make this bigger. That would, appear, that would appear to be a pizza. Mm-hmm. That is being made on a waffle iron. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, this is this is my question. Yes, that is uh, two slices of pizza, one on top of the other. Um, okay, cold, formerly cold pizza, 
mm-hmm. uh, put on a waffle iron. So is this a great idea or a horrible idea? Well, I, I kind of want to separate hmm. this into two categories real quick. There's the, is this a great idea as food, which I will entertain. Okay. <laughs> your, your, cold, your cold pizza panini, we can chat about that. Hmm. As a preparation idea and mostly in the cleanup aspect thereof, this hmm. looks like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would concur with that. I mean, because there's just, there's stuff everywhere. Hmm. Look at the cheese. Look how crispy the cheese is. Hmm. That's falling off. Can I can I describe the photo for the for the folks at home? Sure, please. There there is um, it appears to be a pepperoni pizza. We are seeing the bottom of the pepperoni pizza, and it has a, a a pattern of the waffle iron embedded into it rather deeply. And there are bits of pepperoni on the, along the side. It looks like you've taken two pieces and and just smashed them together, and so that the bottoms are the top and bottom of this new sandwich creation. Is that correct? Yep. How recent is this photo? I don't. I I have no idea. Uh, this was. This is not my photo. I found it. Oh, okay, okay. So it's sorry. Hmm. So what? It, it, what if it seems like the cheese would stick a lot to the waffle iron, depending. Mm-hmm. What if it was done on like a George Foreman or something instead? Would that help? You're still going to run into the kind of thing. It's sticking everywhere kind of problem. I mean, you'll have less grease. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess my other question would be kind of how do you approach eating that? Mm -hmm. There's not the the sides are gone, right? There it's there. It's fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Well, you definitely have to use a fork and Mm -hmm. uh, you have to make sure that your syrup is warm. Before you put it on there, yeah. And, uh, oh, oh my gosh! Oh, you, so you'd actually put syrup on this pizza? No, I'm just kidding. I would. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because I was gonna go with you there. I mean, you could. Uh, if that's hmm, your thing, if you're Canadian, you probably have some maple syrup. Right if next it to you. was, and I'm gonna potentially touch a third rail here. If it was Vermont maple syrup, maybe. Um, but uh, hmm. I don't think I put syrup on a pizza. I don't know. I've done you're, so much weirder things in this, though, with food. You're adding a – we'll bookmark that. We're coming back to it. Um, okay. You're adding this – but adding the layer of sweet into the otherwise kind of – I don't know if bland is the right term for two or three-day-old cold pizza. Oh, no, not see. bland. You lose a lot of flavor to cold yeah. pizza. And again, I am not dissing on team cold pizza. Okay. hundred mm-hmm. percent. It seems like good you are, there. Though. you're, you're not dissing hashtag team cold pizza. Okay. Correct. Definitely not. But we do want to, you know, recognize the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Cold pizza tastes different. And one, mm-hmm. one of the ways that that is true is that I think for me anyway, the flavor is more muted. Yes. I, I have experienced that. Hey, you know what this reminds me of? Can I share a, a terrible thing that I've done to a cold pizza since we're looking at pictures of uh, mutilated pizza? Please. So I do this really funny thing. Um, I, I I like making like tostadas and things with, with corn, corn tortillas and I start to saute them and um, I'll just put like, you know, beans and rice and stuff and you make a tostada. But sometimes I want to mix it up a little bit and I'll have, I'm, I'm a very weird human being. I apologize. And I'll have like a, you know, like a piece of pizza that's a, you know, from last night or something. And I don't know why I do this. I just find myself doing this. I cut it up into little pieces and I put it in the tostada. And then it kind of melts, like the cheese gets into the rice and stuff. 
and it's it's uh it's actually pretty good. Hmm. Anybody ever do anything like that? <laughs> That's kind of weird. No, the only question I have is, do you mean tostada? Tosta. Yeah, I do. Mm. Yes, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the. I don't have the mouth parts mm. to be able to to do that with any amount of consistency. The NPR tostadas. Yeah. Wait, mouth parts? Are you missing teeth? No, no, no. Um, sorry. I'm being facetious oh, the, there. Oh, oh, to pronounce it. I thought you meant to eat it. No, no, no. To roll the R appropriately. Tostada. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm trying. Hmm. <laughs> Potential callback. Um, in, Jap- in Japanese, they don't have the R sound and, or the L sound. They have this, this sound that's uh, in between the two. So when they say, they don't say arigato, they say arigato. It's like this weird, like, type of sound. Anyway, random things to learn on a podcast. Uh, where's Ultra Nerd when you need him? He's our linguistics expert. Why, where, where are these people? Wow. I don't know. What was the thing know. we tabled? Ah, uh, yes. Um, uh, weird food creations, I believe, was where we were going with the oddities and you have explored one of these already but do you have any more what are other mutilations that you do to food are you are you Me- making fun of my uh, uh jello apricot jello with cheese on top oh oh is that what that you're was... referring to no I, um, I have not seen this where is this no. let's see no no but i, I you can't i'm put- having this horrible flashback to okay. To Go ahead. Mid fifties advertising copy and the mm. blasphemy they committed with gelatin. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. Having a flashback to mid fifties is one thing. Having a mid a flashback to mid fifties ad copy sounds like a nightmare. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a flashback to ad copy. But what, what are they? Are they mis? Are they describing it inaccurately? It's not about it's not about being an inaccurate description so much as it's an accurate description of something that people actually made at some point. And mm-hmm. the things that I, I don't understand why you would want meat sub, you know suspended in in gelatin, but this was a what? thing that happens. I, I am I somehow missed out on this. I'm so sorry. they I mean, put it, meat in jello? Yeah. I mean, this was a thing that happened in the world, and I and I just go, mm, no, please don't. Hmm. What what I, flavor Jello? I, I the particular one I remember seeing was green. Um, so mm. Draw your own conclusions. Mm. I it's suppose. like pistachio. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you're not talking about aspic, which is something we've covered before? I'm sorry. Aspic. A s p i c. I have no idea what that is, so I hope not. Gelatin made from meat stock or consomme. You know, it probably is aspic. And I mean, that seems likely, but I kind of thought that gelatin was not vegan because that was pretty much how it was made. Mm -hmm. Is that not true? No, that's true. Okay. Well, I'm saying the gelatin, they they use the uh, meat stock or consomme as the liquid. The, The gelatin is the horse hooves or whatever. Right. Okay. 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 Right. Um, so you're saying that. like less in the way of fruit flavoring that we're adding to this. Right. Okay. That makes it maybe marginally more acceptable, but we still have a huge texture problem here, guys. Well, we it's... we agreed it was not good. We just 
Oh man, you know, I'll tell you what though. Google Google image search for aspic a s p i c. Um, it's it's very fascinating. There's some very colorful uh, creations that are happening. It's it's I'm I can't believe that all this stuff exists. Whoa. Uh, oh, uh, I think, okay, first off, let us, I just want to read through the top line of uh, Google categories here. So these are the words you're going to add to Aspic. Number one, <laughs> gross. Please. Number yeah. one, it's gross. Number two, fish. Number mm. three, beef. Number four, fruit, which marginally acceptable. Mm-hmm. And number five, design. Get the Jonathan Ive version. Yeah. What we wanted to do with the calf is we wanted to make a calf out of gelatin and put the calf in the calf. We used the most remarkable material. <laughs> Highest quality boiled animal bones in the world. That's, that's Yeah, I don't know. We're on some kind of third rail now. And the mm-hmm. one after design is tomato, which looks very red. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't understand why this was a thing that was popular for, you know, not an insignificant amount of the Mm -hmm. middle 20th century. And Mm -hmm. I I don't understand. Oh, and here's one with R2-D2 on top of it. That's nice. I have not had gelatin of any kind since I uh, became vegetarian. Actually, mostly since I found out exactly what it was. I feel like as a kid, you're you're given a lot of things. You don't know how they're made. <laughs> if you knew how they were made, you might not want to eat them. I'm just going to submit that. Uh, one thing to note, when you're searching for aspect, make sure you only use one S. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of Tell important. Sa- safe search is on. Safe search is on. <laughs> Better be on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, thumbs down on the uh, waffle pizza. Then. I, I am intrigued I by this idea. Okay, I didn't say that. Honest. I would do it. <laughs> if it was a vegetarian pizza, I would do it in a heartbeat. The cold pizza panini is an interesting idea. I am just saying that it may not be worth this particular <laughs> route to so going. You would go to a restaurant and order it. But you wouldn't make it on your no, own. No, 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 no. Like, um, they, you can get panini toasters that are going to be more suitable to this notion where they're flat mm-hmm. and they're not going to have this cheese grease floating everywhere. Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. Um, okay, so have you guys put anything that's not – have you guys done anything like this or put something like creative in a waffle iron or creative in a toaster or something like don't put that in a toaster oven like i feel like we're on a this is an interesting bit that we're on like unconventional ways to cook food um i have never owned a waffle iron in my life yeah that's that's just trouble i don't need (laughs) i don't think i have either i have owned a waffle iron but i have to be honest with the the flaky breakfast items. I'm a pancake guy myself more than a mm. waffle guy. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. Something I've seen but never tried is making a, a grilled cheese in the toaster by turning the toaster on its side. No. Oh, that oh. seems dangerous. It does seem dangerous, which is mm. why I've never done it. But. Hmm. So you would put the 
uh, I'm guessing you'd, you'd get the you get one piece of bread, you put cheese on it. Mm-hmm. Probably, let's be honest, probably a craft single. Mm-hmm. People doing this. Cheese in quotation marks, my good not, friend. Not actually cheese. Um, and then you just, you flip the thing 90 degrees and then you're just, you're toasting, you make sure the cheese is on top. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise chaos. And then you have to do that twice <laughs> for each side. Well, you've got two, you should have two slots. So you can do them both at the same time. Oh yeah. Okay. That's mm-hmm. true. Unless you have one of those weird toasters that's like, like a, a meter long and it's one slot. You ever mm-hmm. see one of those? That's Are you, you're planning on using this toaster for other things at some point? That's the thing. I wouldn't do that. You're asking for it. Mm-hmm. I use my toaster in the recommended way, and it still gets burnt stuff in improbable places. How, uh, how is this happening? <laughs> yeah. How do you clean your toaster? Because I think I figured out a brand new uh, thought technology on cleaning toasters. Dishwasher. Okay, that's that's uh, newfangled. That's newfangled. That's the future. What? <laughs> way of the I'm pretty sure that you'd, you better be joking about that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you'd break it. Unless it's a machine washable, um, cause you can do that with some keyboards, can't you? Mm-hmm. You can put them right in the dishwasher. Yeah. It's just I a matter of removing the right components, right? Right. Right. I always wanted to do that. I never, never had a chance to, no, I think the best way to clean a toaster is you, you have to go outside just very carefully remove it, go outside, go to your backyard or, or, or whatever, go on your balcony and uh, just shake it. Mm. That's my method. Uh, I think my method um, <laughs> would be... Because um, pre- no matter what you do, you get you get crumbs everywhere. It's crumbs everywhere. Preference. It doesn't matter how uh, meticulous you are. I still get black crumbs in weird places. I just want to go, I just want to, you know, get maybe just like wrangle it, like just whip it around, hold it by the cord and whip it around in a large grassy field. And that's the only way you're going to get all the crumbs out. <laughs> that's my favorite uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers song. <laughs> oh, wow. Toaster whipping? No. <laughs> wow. Well, that's my... That's my. My second favorite. My first favorite Don't is so ripping. My first favorite is black crumbs in weird places. <laughs> uh I to preference it, I uh preference. I don't know. Before I preface? go on, I'm gonna mm. say I buy cheap toasters. So my method would be to take the toaster, go outside, open the dumpster, <laughs> drop it in, and go buy a new toaster. It's called the American way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I have one more topic I want to cover, and then we okay. probably need to wrap it up. We got time for one more. Um, to uh, to, to uh, how do I want to say this? Um, I just can't get toaster to- whipping out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of rolls off the tongue. I I love it when when uh you know we can come up with things that just kind of you know they're they're memorable, but they also roll off the tongue. You know, mouth mouth feel mouth feel for mm-hmm. words is important. Sorry, what were we going to say? <laughs> I was going to ask you about your books again. Okay. Um, primarily, I'm wondering uh, what kind of things have you done to try to promote it and how have they oh, turned out? Sure. Um, sure. Uh, well, I most recently, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of things, you know. Uh, one of the best things you can do when you're writing a series is to finish the third book. So I've I've spent a lot of time just trying to make something really really good and having good 
you know, having good beta readers, which if you don't know what that is, means basically people that are close to you and, and also people that are fans that just read a copy of the book and give you their honest feedback. Having a lot of those people is really, really, really good. I've been blessed with some really great people uh, that do that. Um, for people who don't know, I write like myth- mythologically inspired science fiction, fast paced, you know, it's been like kind of feels like Star Wars sort of. It's been compared to that, but it's different than Star Wars. Um, but, uh, so making really good stuff is always been my first thing and I'm not a marketer. So, uh, when I finished my first book, I really had to, uh, teach myself a lot about marketing. So, uh, short, short answer is um, I've given a lot of copies away. It used to be part of, uh, the, the Kindle unlimited program for a while. Mm-hmm. where I could give things away. The problem with that is, and this is the problem that every independent author has, is they have to decide, um, do I go exclusive with just Amazon and have the ability to give away books every 90 days and have like these free giveaway days and have possibly more exposure on Amazon? Or do I try to be more democratic about it and, and get on all the stores? You know, iBooks is probably the second biggest store at this point. Barnes and Noble store is probably going to disappear in the next two years. Um, but Kobo is also coming up. And there's another one I always forget. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the Nook, though. But I, I really think it's better in terms of in terms of exposure and, and ways people can get your stuff to be in more stores. Um, so Amazon's been a little bit, I mean, they've been a little bit anti-competitive in their way. But, I, you know, uh, they're also trying to, do a lot of good for independent authors too. So, uh, so I've given away a lot of free books, but I wanted to go wide distribution. So I don't really give them away as much anymore. Um, but so I've done that. I also, I give away a short story and I'm probably going to give away this novelette that I wrote. Um, so I've done that. I've done a lot of, um, I've, I've had a lot of people write reviews. There's a lot of bloggers that write reviews. I've got a lot of really good reviews from that. There's been a lot of word of mouth, and uh, growing a newsletter base is really, really important. But the the biggest thing I've done, uh, I did this year, I actually bought an ad for the first time um, because I actually have book one has a sample of book two in it. So book one's kind of advertising book two. So I thought, it, you know, finally now that things are really rolling along, I'm going to buy an ad. So I bought an ad at eReader News Today and uh, was book of the day uh, in September, and that went really well, and um, and also had a cover done uh, by a professional illustrator, which really helped too. So um, it's just yeah, doing doing something every, trying to make progress every single week on the marketing front because it's really easy for me to just focus on writing. Uh, I really do believe like making a good thing is the most important thing, but um, in this day and age, you have to really learn to market yourself um, in order to, you know, to, to be successful. So that's been, that's been going pretty well. I don't know. Does that answer the question? I feel like that was longer winded and I hopefully I haven't lost everybody. <laughs> no, that's fine. And that's pretty much what I want to know. Uh, I wondered about like Amazon giveaways and things like that. Yeah. The giveaways are great. Um, and if you have any other specific questions, like, yeah, feel free to ask. Um, I've, I've really, it's, it's a really tough decision, um, for independent authors if they want to be exclusive to Amazon or not. Um, cause there are some people who, uh, get a lot of traction. You know, there's this program called Kindle Unlimited, which is new. 
where people pay, pay 10 bucks a month and have access to all of these books uh, that, but you have to be exclusive to Amazon and I get paid uh, based on how many pages a person reads. And it's an interesting new system. Um, but, uh, but it really depends on how your specific audience behaves. So my second book came out this year, the second in the series, and um, I just launched it, you know, just in Kindle to start. And uh, it's on Kindle Unlimited, and people could do that. And I had some activity, but I don't think it was enough to justify being exclusive to Amazon, um, at least for my audience. So I'm pro. It, and and of course, these are 90 day mini contracts too. So you have to decide. I have to wait until my 90 days runs up on being in Kindle Unlimited. So that expires in like three weeks, and I don't think I'm gonna renew it. Um, but then, you know, I'm, I'm just glad I don't have the problem. There are people who have all their stuff exclusive. Ima- imagine this. Imagine that you spend years writing like three, four, five books and they're really good and they've got great reviews, right? And you're exclusive to Amazon. This is this is, this is is the nightmare scenario, I think. And you're exclusive to Amazon and you're doing well, but you're not doing great. Like you're you're doing okay, but your only source of income is Amazon. Like what do you do? You know? Do you, do you let them have, do you, you know, do you give them all the power in that situation or do you gradually go, okay, well, I'm going to take the first book and do it wide. And that's what a lot of people will do. They'll be like, this is just, you know, it's going well, but it's kind of like if Amazon decides to change their policy, you know, it's, uh, it's putting a lot of power in their hands. And I I think a lot of, uh, authors don't totally feel comfortable with that because you know like amazon does a lot of great stuff and i'm really glad the kindle exists i think the kindle has revolutionized the way uh that publishing has been done and it continues to to change that and put a lot of pressure on traditional which is really really good um but at the same time amazon's a public company that has stockholders and uh i th- i i know I, they've got a lot of They've got a lot of priorities. We'll say that. <laughs> and a lot of them aren't yours. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think that that's fair. You know, like I don't own any Amazon stock. Maybe I should. <laughs> I don't know. How um, gonna... have you had any of Amazon's policy changes affect you personally? Because I know that Kindle Unlimited is going under a pricing restructure outside of the United States of late and then a couple of my wider writer folk on Twitter were talking about that this last week. Yes, it is doing, I, I can't remember all of the details for it. Um, but the short answer for that is that I don't get enough people, um, accessing my books through Kindle unlimited to really notice. Um, most of my stuff are outright sales. Perfect. And fair. I th- so I wish I knew more. I wish I knew more. Um, I, I don't know. They're, they're trying to make it like Netflix for books, which on the surface sounds like a great idea, but um, I think they're asking a lot to be exclusive to them. Hmm. I, th- I think I think they're asking, I think that it's in this day and age, you know, like 
it's it's it doesn't feel like to me it doesn't feel like 2015 or 20 even 2016 or 2017 it feels like walled garden like like there's some instances where that makes sense you know but when it comes to a book which is you know let's be honest like we're talking about selling specially formatted web pages that's what ebooks are they're html with a couple little modifications and they're zipped and they have a epub or a Moby slapped on them. Basic. That's the basic thing what's happening here. And it's like that format is so at the core of it open that the, the original version of it is so open. It just feels weird to me to, to put that to, uh, to put, even like putting DRM on it. Like I don't put DRM in any of my books because like the people who want to break it are going to break it in five minutes. That was pretty in baseball, um, inside baseball, but sorry if that went long. That's okay. The whole podcast is inside baseball. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, well, we'll probably just wrap it up there then. Andrew, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter, of course. Um, I'm Hello Crusoe, that's C-R-U-S-O-E. And um, everything's linked to from there, basically. Um, I'm, I'm at myth.li. Where you can find out about stuff, free stories, and free fun things. Matt, is there anywhere you want people to find you? You can find me on Twitter, T-Y-G-E-R-M-A-T-T. Your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. Tiger Matt. Mm-hmm. Tarjay. We didn't get to talk about Tarjay. I like outros. I don't, I don't Call me crazy. I don't like it when uh, people uh, just cut the podcast at the end of a sentence. 